Hey, this is Alex Moore, lead pastor of New Life Community Church in Kansas City, Missouri. Thanks for taking time to listen to this message. For more information or to donate, visit newlifekc.com. We are starting a new series today called Divine Interruptions. And so here's what we're going to be doing in this new series that we're talking about. We're going to be discussing interruptions a lot. And so for those of you who have like comic relief in your personality, this is not the time to interrupt. All right. So interruptions, I mean, interruptions in life come in many shapes and sizes. And I think I can speak for all of us when I say interruptions are the worst, aren't they? Don't you hate when you get going with something and then all of a sudden that distraction, that interruption comes and steals your time, steals your attention. All of us have to deal with interruptions and it seems that they always do come at the worst possible time. Here's how I'm defining interruption. Interruption is anything that stops continuous progress. You're trying to get going, and you got interrupted in the progress, the continuation of what you were trying to do. It's been interrupted. You could say an interruption is just a distraction that's drawing our attention way away from whatever we were doing. It's, it's moving our focus. Studies show that the average worker is interrupted somewhere between 4 to 12 times every hour which means best case scenario when you're at work tomorrow over the course of one hour, you're going to have an interruption every 15 minutes. That's best case scenario. (laughs) Otherwise, it's like every five minutes. Uh, and, and, And what are we distracted with? It could be a phone call. It could be an email. It could be a text message. It could be an app notification. It could be a coworker just stopping by to shoot the breeze. It could be a manager coming in to check in to see how you're doing. It could be that meeting that you had that stopped your work. It could be that lunch appointment. It could be that virtual meeting. It could be social media. It could be the daily news. If it was March, it could be March Madness. We have so many things that interrupt us on a daily basis. A few weeks ago, I woke up to uh, get ready to, to prepare a message for Sunday. It's part of the job responsibility I have now. So I was like, all right, new week, new message. Let's do this. I got up early. I was like, I'm getting up before the kids. I'm going to find a quiet spot. I'm going to seclude myself. I got some coffee. I got some snacks. I was ready to go. I sat down at my computer, got everything going, and I was getting ready to put it into do not disturb mode which means no interruptions for me. And I saw an email at the top of my inbox. And I thought, I don't need to read that email. But then I thought, if I don't read that email, I'm going to be thinking about that email. So maybe I should just read the email, get it off my list, and then I'll get going with that message. So I read the email. And I kid you not, by the time I was done reading the email, the same sender had sent me another email. Now I felt like, well, I've read one. I need to finish the task. I'll read the second. So I read the second. And by the time I got done with the second, a third email from the same sender hit my email. And I read it too. And then I was like, that's enough. I'm shutting down my email. I put everything, like the computer into do not disturb mode. And you can't make this up. Before I got my phone into do not disturb mode, that same person texted me. I did not get a sermon done that day. 
interruptions. We all have them. Like I shared last night, my dad called me and interrupted me and was like, hey, we're not going to be able to have that event that you've been promoting at the church. Oh, man, the interruptions. We all have them. We have a plan so often. Uh, People are always like, yeah, this is my plan. I'm going to do it. I'm going to execute it. I got my to-do list. And then life happens, right? Interruptions steal our attention. Not long ago, my wife left me on kid duty for breakfast. I was like, great. It's my chance to win my children's affection. I'm going to give them what they can't get with mom. I was like, chocolate milk for everybody. (laughs) And that was interrupted by the fact that we had no milk in the house. (laughs) And now I had raised their expectations high. And I was like, it's all right. I'm going to put them all in the van. We're going to go to the grocery store. My wife took the van. (laughs) So we were sitting at home with no milk and disappointed expectations. Interruptions, man, so many things interrupt us in our life. You think about your commute to work. What things interrupt you? Man, it could be road work. It could be that slow driver in front of you. It could have been a flat tire. It could have been the check engine light on your vehicle popped on. It could have been the fact that you didn't fill up with gas last night, and now you have to stop at the gas station. It's going to make you late for where you're going. Man, life is full of interruptions. And, and, and to be honest, most of the time when we think of interruptions, we don't like them. Like, we think that they're horrible. We think that they're bad. But every now and then, there are interruptions that occur in our life that are actually good. Have you ever been watching TV, and then the weather guy shows up, and he's like, sorry to interrupt your regularly scheduled broadcast, but you're about to die. There's a tornado out your home. It's, you go, and what do we do? Well, I better go look. And we open the door, and there's the funnel cloud. Yeah, that's a good interruption, right? That's a good interruption. Like, you hear the sirens going off. Good interruption. Like, I'm so glad that interruption is there. Now, when my phone dings because some child was stolen, I feel horrible about this, but I had to turn it off. Those Amber Alerts were keeping me up all night long, but... It's supposed to be a good interruption. That probably shouldn't have been confessed uh, and recorded on live stream. But, hey, we have interruptions in life. Most of the time we think that they're bad. But in this series, what we're doing is we're trying to take a look at some interruptions that are actually divine interruptions. So if an interruption is anything that, that stops the continuous progress of whatever's going on, This idea of divine means that this interruption is somehow or another connected to God. That God is in some way interrupting the process of my life in order to get my attention. And and this is the big idea that I want to communicate today is that God wants your attention. And he loves you enough to interrupt you. God wants your attention. Not partial, full. He wants your full attention. And he loves you enough to interrupt you to get it. This morning, we're going to look at two passages of Scripture from Luke chapter 5. And so if you want to follow along, we'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, The first passage is going to be verses 1 through 11, Luke chapter 5. We're going to read uh, a little bit here. It says, One day... As Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Can you picture it? We've got the little beach setting there, the water behind him, Jesus and his flowing hair. He's preaching. It's awesome, all right? Great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. Do you know when Jesus speaks, he's speaking the 
word of God. That's kind of how that works. They're pressing in. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Well, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, also known as Peter, its owner, to push it out into the water. And so Jesus sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Hey, Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let your nets down to catch some fish. Simon replied, Master, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And so apparently he pushed out to sea, and this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. The actual nets are tearing. A shout for help, help, brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm, I'm such a sinful man. Why did he do this? Verse 9 says, For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. In other words, these guys had experienced the full revelation of God's power. This guy was just talking. It was the word of God. He wanted to use my boat. No big deal. But now he sent me out here. And now, oh, my goodness, this isn't natural. This is supernatural. This is beyond this world. What's happening here doesn't happen. That means that this guy, this Jesus, this man I called master, he indeed is special and unique. There's something different about him than anybody I've ever met. In fact, I'm in the presence of God. I don't deserve to be here. And so Jesus says to him, his, his, well, Peter's partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they were also amazed. We had to make sure that was in the Bible. Hey, don't forget, they were amazed too. But Jesus replied to Simon Peter. Here was his response to him. He says, don't be afraid. From now on. Aren't those good words from now on? It's like, here's the beginning of a new era. Here's a new chapter in your life, Peter. This is not going to be like it was before. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything. Simon, James, John, they left everything and followed Jesus. How cool is that story? Did Peter seek out Jesus? No. Jesus interrupted him. He was there just washing his nets, and Jesus showed up on the scene. Jesus interrupted his daily routine. James and John doing what they do, they're fishermen, and Jesus showed up. In this story, I want us to see Jesus as the interrupter. Jesus had borrowed the services of one of Simon Peter's boats to teach from. Once done speaking, he tells Simon to throw out his fishing nets again. Simon begrudgingly does. And the men make this huge catch, and Simon, Simon Peter, I mean, he's just undone. I mean, dropping to his knees in humility, Jesus comforts him, he restores him, James and John, and, and he gives them pur purpose, they're going to now be fishers of men, and it says that they immediately left everything and followed Jesus. 
Uh, Let's look at another story. We're going to go a little bit further down in Luke chapter 5, and we're going to continue to see Jesus as an interrupter. Verse 27, it says that later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector. Boo. Nobody liked tax collectors. Boo. Um, Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector. I do think that we can sometimes just read the Bible. Um, I don't know about you, but I walk by people all the time, and I don't see them. You ever walked around downtown? I walk by people all the time, and I don't pay any mind to them. But Jesus, as he left the town, he actually saw a tax collector. How cool is that? I think somebody needs to know Jesus sees you. It's not like you've been living some secret hidden life. No, no, he sees you right where you are. And as Jesus is leaving this town, he saw a tax collector named Levi, also called Matthew, sitting at his tax collector's booth. The guy's on his job. He's on the job site. He's there. He's at the tax collector's booth. He ain't just sitting there twiddling his thumbs, doing a Sudoku. No, he's there working, right? And Jesus says to him, Levi, follow me and be my disciple. (laughs) And this is the Bible, right? And so Levi just got up and he left everything and he followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet, a feast in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. And many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? What are you doing? And Jesus answered them. He said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Jesus is essentially saying, like, how silly would it be for a family doctor to avoid sick people? The whole purpose of being the family doctor is to help people who are in need, to help people who are ill, to help people who are sick. Jesus is like, that's me. I'm here to help those who are in need. I'm here to save sinners. And so Jesus encounters Levi, this tax collector, and he invites him to follow him He interrupts Levi's day and gives him a command to follow him, and Levi does it. According to one commentary, it says this, Toll collectors as a group were despised as snoops, corrupt, the social equivalent of pimps and informants. So it's no surprise that Jesus' eating with Levi and his friends raised some eyebrows. Shared meals implied shared lives. Intimacy, kinship, unity, and that was kind of the idea throughout the Mediterranean world. But what we see here in this passage is that Jesus is interrupting people's lives for a purpose. He's not just doing it to bother them. He's not just doing it because he thinks it's fun. No, he is interrupting people's lives for a purpose. He's not just trying to be contrarian to the religious and cultural norms of the day. He actually cares about humanity. He cares about these individuals, and he's inviting them into the kingdom of God. And I am forever grateful for the divine interruptions in the course of my life. When I was a child, I was able to witness God's power, kind of like Peter, James, and John did 
when I was prayed for in a church service and healed of a breathing disorder. And at the age of nine, God came into my life in a special way. And as a teenager, God interrupted me and changed the trajectory of my life as I sensed him drawing me to be a pastor. Those divine interruptions, God showing up, doing what only God can do is the reason I'm standing here today. And I believe that God has been interrupting your life as well. If you're a Christian, well, I know he interrupted your life. That's how you became a Christian. It all started with an interruption, right? You were doing your thing, and then God showed up, and you're like, whoa. And you changed. You pivoted. We all begin our relationship with God with an interruption. But then, for whatever reason, once we start following Jesus, we like to think that he's not going to interrupt us ever again. We like to think we know exactly what he's going to do. I can, I can tell you what he's going to do. I read the Bible. I know what he's going to do. Well, if you read the Bible, you know that nobody ever knew what he was going to do. He was unpredictable. He never stuck to the script. And we serve a God who doesn't stick to your script or my script. He's a God that will interrupt us when we need it in order to get our attention because we are so easily distracted. God wants your attention, and he loves you enough to interrupt you. Let me give you a few points if you want to take some notes. Number one would be this. Divine interruptions are always a work of grace. When God interrupts you, it's because he loves you. It's all grace. You don't deserve it. You're not worthy of God's attention, his efforts, his work supernaturally in your life. What we all deserve is for him to be hands off and let us do whatever it is that we wanted to do. But because he loves us, he gives us this act of grace. The fact that we're being interrupted by him, the fact that we're having an encounter with him is a work of grace. It's a reflection of God's sovereignty. We didn't ask for the interruption. We didn't invite the interruption. He, on his own merit and in his own way, because he's God, said, I so choose to love the world that I gave my one and only son. I so love John Lennon that I met John Lennon when he was in a place of darkness and needed hope. God meets each of us right where we are, not because we did anything to deserve it. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We love because he first loved us. If you've encountered God, wow. You've encountered God because he wanted you to. It's a reflection of his sovereignty, his grace. Those interruptions, when they occur, then it's a reminder of us of who's in charge. <laughs> you think you got it all together, and then all of a sudden you're being interrupted by God. That means you didn't have it all together. <laughs> when God shows up, it's because he's trying to get your attention. If you were doing exactly what God wanted, is he going to interrupt you? No, he's going to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. Keep on going, buddy. You're doing it. But when he interrupts you, oh, there's a place of correction here. There's a place that I need to adjust. There's a place that I need to change. I need to be saying, God, why are you interrupting me? What is it that you need from me? I don't want to miss this divine interruption. Here's the thing. God so often interrupts, but here's, here's the truth just because God interrupts you doesn't mean that anything's changed on your part. We have to respond to the interruption. 
Peter, James, John, they pull all these fish in. There's still a choice on Peter's behalf to fall down at Jesus' feet. And when Jesus says, follow me, he could have said, no, I'm not going to follow you. Jesus called some people to follow him, and they said, I can't do it. There's a rich young ruler. He said, go sell all your stuff. Let's go. Let's go do this. Let's rock the world. The rich young ruler said, no, I think so. Just because God has interrupted you doesn't mean that you can't resist his grace. No, you can. It's an act of grace. He's drawing all men into himself, but you must choose to surrender your will to him, which would bring us to point number two, is that divine interruptions create an opportunity. When God shows up and he invades your world, he disrupts the norm of your life. Man, when God shows up, there is an opportunity knocking. There is a chance for you to step into something that you weren't stepping into before. God never comes to us just because he has nothing better to do. He's like, oh, let's just go mess with Alex Kachiri today. Let's just mess his life up. No, he never says that. If, if God's showing up in your life, it's because there's a purpose behind it, and it comes with a message, and the message normally comes with the command, and we have a choice on whether or not I'm going to obey or not obey. I'm either going to follow or I'm not going to follow. I'm going to do his will or I'm going to do my will. But inside this divine interruption is the possibility of us stepping out of what we want and stepping into our real purpose. Divine interruptions seem to always carry a message and a calling with them. See, the question that we all need to wrestle with is, how will I respond when God interrupts my plans? Most of us don't like interruptions. So if God interrupts, we don't like that he's screwing up my plans. You're messing my day. I had an idea of what I wanted to do. You screwed it up, God. I was praying for you to bless this, not stop this. What are you doing, God? But if God is interrupting, guess what? The plan wasn't good you were on. We need to change plans. Ah, but that means I got to be humble. Yep. Remember that message I did? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's it. We have to humble ourselves and say, I understand that this was my plan and my hopes and my dreams and my desires, but obviously I don't see. Number three, number three, we're on a roll. Number three, divine interruptions are to get your attention and move you in a new direction. Divine interruptions are to get your attention and move you in a new direction. If you're already going the right way with the right attitude, with your eyes fixed where God desires, then there would be no need for an interruption. Rather, he's interrupting you to give you a choice to move in a new direction, the direction that he would have for you. Divine interruptions, man, they come in various sizes. When we look at these stories, you got the story about Peter, and you had this miracle, this supernatural thing that took place, and Peter was undone. But Levi, did he have any miracle? No. Hey, why don't you come follow me? That was it. That's all it took. I think that God, let me see how I want to say this. God will allow the interruption to be however big is necessary in order to get your attention. And I think that he prefers the smallest interruption. 
He prefers to speak in a still small voice as he did to Elijah. Like he would like to just be able to whisper and you respond. But if you don't respond to the whisper, he'll speak a little louder. And if you won't respond to the little bit louder voice, he'll make it much louder. If you won't respond to the much louder voice, he is willing to let your life become as chaotic as it needs to in order to get your full attention. That's how much he loves you. Well, I didn't think that was love. Yeah, for you to continue down the path you were on wasn't going to be good for you. We see this in the Old Testament. If you've been reading through the Bible with us, we've been reading about how God's people, the Israelites, were taken captive by another country. Babylon invaded them, and they became slaves for 70 years. Well, why would God let that happen? Well, he's just trying to punish them. Is he trying to punish them? No, he's just trying to get their attention. You, you realize that he had sent judges, he'd sent kings, he'd sent prophets, he'd sent voices to say, hey, you guys are worshiping idols, you're not doing what God pleased, you need to focus, you need to turn, you need to repent, you need to come back to Jehovah. Nah, we don't need to do that. We'll do whatever we want, marry whoever we want, have sex with whoever we want, we're going to do whatever we want. And God said, well, that's not good for you. I'm going to allow this country to come and take you out. <laughs> what? That doesn't seem very loving. It's the most loving thing he could do to get their attention. He tried everything. He's a pretty smart God. He tried a lot of other things. He had an ultimate plan. It wasn't time yet. He's going to send Jesus. But right now, he's going to say, all right, captivity. It's where we get the story of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and Zechariah and Haggai and Ezra and Nehemiah. All of that stuff, it all happened because God allowed there to be so much chaos that they turned their attention back to him. I sometimes think about my my testimony of how I came to faith, and I think about my dads, and like, they're just very different. Like, my dad was like a nightclub entertainer. <laughs> That's already different than me, right? Like, he worked the bar scene, like, he went around, like, he wasn't faithful, he'd been married before, he'd done all sorts of weird stuff that he shouldn't have done, and was inappropriate, and wrong, and sinful, and I grew up in church. Yeah. Should I be like, man, I need to go and build my testimony a little bit. I need to go and do some bad stuff so then it'll be an amazing story of what God did. No, 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 no. The right perspective it would be that he would say, man, I wish I would have listened to God. I wish I wouldn't have this story. We see the same thing in the Bible. You have Saul who's like literally killing other people who are putting their faith in Jesus Christ. And God shows up and knocks him to the ground in a bright light. Crazy. But then he's like, you know who's really awesome is Timothy. You know how Timothy became a Christian? He was raised by his mom and grandma who believed in God. That's not a very cool story. Paul's like, yeah, but that's the man. That's the guy. It doesn't matter what the interruption is. God will make it as big or small as necessary to get your attention. What's most important is that you respond to God. Just recognizing he's God, not enough. There must be an obedience and submission to follow him. Some people might say, well, does God make bad things happen in my life? Is, is, he, is he the reason all these bad things are happening and interrupting me? 
And I would say, like, from the Old Testament, like, here's a little theology lesson. Like, from the Old Testament, we do see kind of this idea of fire and brimstone and the ground opening up and swallowing people, and we see the angel of death, and we see that the wrath of God was almost in a more active position. But we're not in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the Old Promise. We are in a time frame after Jesus has came, who is the Son of God and has changed things and has provided a reconciliation for mankind. And where God's wrath was active in the Old Testament, we see that his wrath takes a more passive position in the New Testament. Um, in Second Chronicles, we see in the Old Testament, it says that during those dark times, it was not safe to travel. Problems troubled the people of every land. Nation fought against nation and city against Sedum. City for why? God was troubling them with every kind of problem. We see that he was actively, yep, throwing trouble and hardships their way in order to get their attention. But in the New Testament, we see that it becomes a little bit more passive. It's not so much him initiating the problem as he just withdrawing himself and allowing us to run the course on our own. Romans chapter 1 in verse 24, 26, and 28, we see this repeating idea that God just abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. He didn't give the thing. He just, all right, I'll let you do what you want to do. That's why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge him, he just abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do the things that they thought should never be done. So can I blame the bad things on my life on God? No, but he did allow them, and he's probably allowing them, even if it's passive, to get your attention. What's interesting is in that first passage, 2 Chronicles chapter 15, we read this verse right before us. In verse 4, it says this. It says that whenever they were in trouble and turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, what did he do? He sought them out. And they found him. Every time they turned to the Lord in trouble, the God of Israel, they sought him out, they always found him. God is not hiding. God is not wanting to just inflict some type of pain on your life. Big point here, God is good, and he has good intentions. You may not always feel it, but that is the truth. As we prepare to close today, we're going to take communion together. If you didn't receive communion elements, uh, Bob, if you wouldn't mind coming to the front, if you just raise your hand, he's going to make sure you get some. I'm going to need some as well. The most extraordinary interruption that Jesus offers us is the call to follow him. And because Jesus interrupted the power of sin and death, you and I can find a path to restoration and eternal life with God. Some of you in this room may feel as though you're in a very broken place right now. I want you to know that God wants your attention. Others of you might be feeling like life is just kind of normal right now. I want you to know that God wants your attention right now. Whatever circumstance you're in, whatever is going on, God wants you to look to him. And his call is the same as it was for Peter for James and John. He's saying, will you follow me? Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24, if any of you wants to be my follower, you want to actually follow me, here's what you have to do. You have to give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Thank you for listening to this message. 
For more information, please visit newlifekc.com.